there isn't really a solution. You know, you can't just go and make gas cheaper. Welcome to your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evi Kiori and this week we are focusing on the decision of several EU countries to prolong the use of coal, while others like Germany are debating if the use of the existing nuclear power plants should continue. How is the European Commission planning to tackle the energy problems and what is at stake for the Green Deal? We are also talking about the reasons Western Pomerania halted the financial aid to Ukraine. EU countries have put their coal phase-out plans on hold, as to continue would mean relying on natural gas imports from Russia. At the same time, Germany was debating the extension of the lifetime of its existing nuclear fleet to keep energy flowing. But how viable is this plan for the Commission, and how has changed the narrative around gas being the transitional fuel to renewables after the war in Ukraine? To hear more on this story, I'm joined today by Aneta Zakhova from Euractiv Czechia, Nico Kumayer from Euractiv Germany, and to hear more from Brussels, I'm joined by our environment and energy reporter, Kira Taylor. Welcome to the podcast, Aneta, Nico and Kira. All heads are turned on the energy crisis, and Aneta, beginning with you, coal was expected to be excluded from the energy package by 2030. However, now that European countries cannot count anymore on Russian gas. It looks like the lifespan of coal has been prolonged. What's the situation with that? Uh, yeah, you are absolutely right. Like many countries set up uh, their own dates of the coal phase out. Some of the European countries are more ambitious. Some of them are less ambitious. But anyway, in Europe, there are still many countries that are highly dependent both on coal and on Russian gas imports. And they plan to replace coal with uh, even more gas because they've already the necessary infrastructure and, uh, you know, they just have to switch uh, off the coal mines and plants to cut their emissions. But uh, all these plants are now doomed to failure because Europe obviously has to significantly decrease dependency on Russian imports. And as you can imagine, uh, redrafting all these plans that were creating, created in past years, it won't be any easy task. And uh, some of countries, for example, included in their national recovery plans, these like projects that are based on the switch from coal to gas. So they have to maybe even change the national recovery plans that are funded from the European budget. And uh, yeah, the reality is that there are not many options available. In countries like the Czech Republic, renewable sources of energy are underdeveloped. Uh, The Czech government wants to, for example, build new nuclear units, but it takes decades to finish their construction. So yeah, the viable alternative is just to keep the source of energy you have already at home and it means coal. And which countries put their coal phase out uh, plan on hold and how are they trying to deal with the energy crisis? Yeah, I already mentioned the Czech Republic. Uh, there was no official decision made yet, but listening to stakeholders, you see that keeping coal mines and plants in operation mode is uh, definitely the most preferred option. 
And then, uh, of course, Bulgaria, which is also highly dependent on coal and gas, and they even had uh, like super ambitious plan to build new large gas power plant. They now have to completely change the, the previous idea. Uh, and the country now wants to keep its coal industry uh, till the construction of new nuclear units. So maybe that's also that could be also the case for the Czech Republic, that we will uh, keep the coal until we build the new nuclear plants. And uh, yeah, the similar discussion was taking place in Romania. Uh, also, Romanian government uh, announced that the, the coal extraction capacity, capacity would increase in next months and ne- next years. Uh, also, Italy, uh, Italian government also made kind of a U-turn because uh, there was a plan to phase out coal by 2025. But now uh, the prime minister Mario Draghi uh, said that uh, they could even reopen uh, some power plants, uh, coal power plants, which would be really, let's say, against uh, the current uh, Green Deal initiatives. Now, we know that the Commission's targets was to minimize the emissions from coal and countries were asked to meet the energy standards. What's the message coming from that side? Yes, uh, it's true that... uh, the plan to phase out coal was included in uh, many plans that were already, for example, approved by the European Commission. So now countries like the Czech Republic are somehow waiting for the reaction of uh, the European Commission. And uh, yeah, when we when we look at the let's say national discussion, uh, countries like the Czech Republic are calling for technology neutrality. It means that uh, they want the commission to, you know, to uh, to keep the goals, to keep, for example, the targets for emission reduction, but to not. They say they ask for no ban of any specific technology, like coal-fired plants. It was also included in last week's. Uh, conclusions from Versailles, uh, where, uh, for example, the Czech Republic really wanted to include a sentence in the conclusion saying that uh, the energy mix, uh, every country should decide on the energy mix on its own. So, yeah, I think that in next week we will see uh, discussions between European Commission and the member states, with the member states like the Czech Republic calling the European Commission to to, you know, to not stick to this uh, coal phase-out as it was before. One of the countries trying to find a solution on this energy crisis is Germany. Nico, coming to you, Germany was planning to shut down the nuclear power plants. However, now there was this debate going on about the fate of the existing nuclear plants. What's happening with that? There has been pressure to look at whether it would be sensible to keep the existing nuclear plants running. There is a debate there, but so far the government has largely ruled out extending the runtime of nuclear power plants, citing legal and cost issues. And what are the aspirations of the German government by operating the nuclear plants? What's the goal here? They won't keep them open, but the argument to keep them open is as follows. Given that Germany is one of the most dependent countries when it comes to Russian gas, 
the argument that is presented is one that in a time of such desperate dependence, one should not shut off any avenues to lessen this dependence. But uh, proponents of the nuclear shutdown often cite the reason that a lot of the things that gas provides cannot be provided by nuclear electricity, not largely. This is referring to heat and industrial uses as feedstocks and the like. And yes, it is understandable that the government is trying to come up with solutions on energy, but there were some uh, concerns on safety regarding the nuclear power plants. What is communicated on this so far? The advocates of keeping the plants running are saying that there's no safety issues whatsoever. Well, the government has found in its examination of whether to keep them running that it would at least require a redone safety test and bringing those plants up to speed. Because their argument is, because these plants were planning to shut down this year, they haven't really been properly maintained and or upgraded, meaning that they're lagging behind the state of the art. This would be very costly and time intensive, warns the German government. And what's the reaction from the Greens? For the Greens, this is a big sticking point. You have to consider that the anti-nuclear movement has been one of their founding forces. Uh, Leading green figures are regularly seen at anti-nuclear protests for them. This is non-negotiable. The mood is certainly shifting in the whole taxonomy debate. The taxonomy noted that both gas and nuclear could play an important role as a transition fuel towards a climate-neutral economy. Keep in mind, the taxonomy merely financial guidance. But as the largest supplier of, of gas to Europe, Russia, has now become a sort of country non grata, this whole taxonomy is being called into question because a lot of the arguments are falling away because the German government for a long time argued that they needed the taxonomy to finance investments into gas power plants. Those are now, like, those arguments are in a void. So yesterday, uh, Patrick Reichen, the state secretary for the German government, said that the bridge has broken away, the bridge that was supposed to be gas towards a climate-neutral economy. And as a consequence, the Germans are firing back up their coal power plants for now. So it seems like the Commission's plans and expectations on coal emissions are kind of falling apart. What is the Commission saying on that, Kira? Well, firstly, there has never been an EU-wide coal phase-out plan. There has only been incentives to get out of coal. So prices on the emissions trading scheme mean that uh, burning coal is expensive. And also the 2030 climate law, which means that Europe has to reduce its emissions, um, its net emissions by 55% by 2030. That target is still legally binding. Countries still need to hit it, even if they keep burning coal. Um, And this is something Vice President Franz Timmermans has highlighted. So he has said that EU countries can burn coal longer, that's fine, but they would need to switch to renewables because most countries were planning to use gas as a bridge. That bridge has slightly fallen away now. Um, And so he's saying, well, yes, you can keep burning coal, but the renewables need to come in and you have to hit that legally binding target. Um, Now, when I was in Strasbourg, this was when Timmerman started talking about this. I spoke to an MEP, um, Baz Eichhout, who's with the Greens. He was okay with it, but there were some concerns about where the numbers are coming from. Because when it comes to the climate, it's really about the carbon that you are emitting in that moment. And coal emits more carbon. So there's those questions as to whether it would be more detrimental to the environment and whether this is a viable plan. 
So gas would be used as a transitional fuel, but as you say, gas isn't available anymore. Does that mean that more countries will turn to coal and the emissions will be higher in the end? Yeah, so a lot of EU countries were looking at gas as the stepping stone out of coal. So a lot of countries like, say, Poland are now very reliant on coal. They would move through gas and into renewables. But just over a month ago, or a month ago now, it's hard to keep track of the timing, um, the whole narrative around gas has changed and it was cheap and it was fairly reliable and now it's neither of those. Um So EU countries are kind of looking at how do they make this energy transition without gas, which was the kind of thing which was underpinning it. Um, So yes, coal does emit more carbon. um, And it's back to that numbers thing of, well, how long can you extend the burning of coal without having that detrimental impact on the environment? And what are the plans so far to keep energy flowing in the EU? So the European Commission has announced its wonderfully named Repower EU uh, to repower Europe, as uh, Timmermans put it. Um, It's a combination of different measures, so short-term measures and and more long-term plans. Uh, So in the short term, more liquefied natural gas coming in from other suppliers, so the US, Middle Eastern countries, um, and also topping up Europe's storage of gas, which was hitting historic lows and there are concerns kind of how you would uh, refill that before next winter. Um, And then on the other side, there's also looking at building up renewable gases, so looking at green hydrogen and biomethane, and then looking at electrification, which needed to happen anyway for Europe to meet its climate goals. Um, But there is now a more, more of a focus on it, at least on the political level, on the practical level. Maybe not, but we're seeing the European Commission and the European Parliament saying that they need to raise the renewable energy targets. Are there any decisions on EU level, but also individually from member states, uh, when it comes to the price spike and how to help citizens to manage this crisis? The the reality of the situation is that there isn't really a solution. You know, you can't just go and make gas cheaper Um, and the expensive gas is pushing up the price of electricity so really it's up to EU countries not so much the commission um, or the EU level to put in place measures to protect the most vulnerable households so in October the European Commission came out with its um, toolbox a, a series of measures that countries could use to to mitigate these prices Um, Some countries have rolled out different parts of that. Um, Off the top of my head, I think uh, just over 20 have used different things uh, to varying degrees of people liking it. Um, Spain has been particularly criticised by um, energy companies for taxing windfall profits of utilities. Um, And then you also have Spain writing to the European Commission saying we can't keep up this type of mitigation uh, for electricity prices. Um, So, yeah, I mean, EU countries just have to keep looking at how to help people um, until the crisis is over. But really, Repower EU is what they're looking for in the long run to actually move away from Russian gas and what is making um, energy in Europe expensive. Thank you, Aneta, Nico and Kira.
You're listening to Euractiv's Beyond the Byline podcast. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter on euractiv.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and AgriFood Brief podcast. Now, moving to another topic, but still related to energy, Europe sees the dream of importing cheaper gas from Russia becoming a distant memory, sort of, and one of the regions that feels the immediate effects of the cancellation of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline is Western Pomerania. The regional political parties proposed to provide financial aid to Ukraine. However, this proposal was halted. To find out more on this, I spoke with Julia Tam from Euractiv Germany. Welcome to the podcast, Julia. So what was the initial plan and why was it stopped? Yeah, so basically the regional opposition parties proposed that the region should take 20 million euros out of its state budget in order to be able to provide financial aid to Ukraine as quickly as possible. But the proposal was voted down in Parliament because the government parties voted against it, um, including the Social Democrats, so Chancellor Olaf Scholz's party. Um, and they voted the motion down because instead they want to wait um, to be able to take money out of a foundation that is um, actually linked to Nord Stream 2. So in this so-called Climate Foundation, um, the Nord Stream 2 company had um, paid um 20 million into it. So the government parties want to wait to be able to repurpose this money um, and give it to Ukraine. But at the moment, this is proving a bit lengthy and difficult. Um, so it's taken a long time. This is where the opposition parties wanted to uh, take the money out of the budget. Uh, but the government wasn't ready to do that. And I bet this whole situation raised eyebrows in the country. What were the reactions from the opposition? Yeah, so the opposition parties um, really decried this move. Uh, it, it was met with harsh criticism. So, for example, um, the general secretary of the conservatives who are in opposition um, wrote on Twitter calling the move a shame. And he said the SPD and the left and government are refusing to use Russian lobbying money they got for humanitarian purposes. So he's basically accusing them that they were taking the money from Nord Stream 2. Uh, but not using it to help the people in Ukraine. The local authorities also cite that there are actually legal and administrative barriers to um, to taking money out of the budget uh, in order to give to Ukraine. So basically they're, they're saying this is not even a political decision, but there's just not the possibility to take the money because um, firstly, the, the region doesn't have it and they already need lots of funds to care for Ukrainian refugees, so they can't afford to take more money out of the budget. And the other thing is that they say the region is actually not legally allowed to give funds to um, other countries, so they wouldn't even be able to do it from a legal perspective. Now, just going back to the repercussions of the halt of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, how hard is hit the regional economy? The, for the regional economy, it's really a big, a big deal, and especially for the town where Nord Stream 2 actually ends. Um, the pipeline was bringing millions of euros into the town, not only through directly through taxes and harbour fees, things like that. Um, but it was also boosting the hospitality sector. Um, and additionally, because of because it's aware of um, the contentious nature of the project and its, its bad image, the Nord Stream 2 company actually, was actually supporting local causes, local clubs that had donated equipment to schools in order to make itself um, more well-liked um, among the local population. So 
uh, was actually bringing a lot of money in. And the um, regional government, uh, the regional prime minister, um, was really advocating for this pipeline, um, which is now also a bit interesting and contentious because she's from, um, again, Olaf Scholz's Social Democrats. She's quite a big figure in there. Um, So this is kind of a little crack inside the government party that's showing there. And what is communicated so far? Do we have an estimation on the jobs that have been lost due to the halt of the pipeline? Or is that something that will follow the next months? I think it'll show how far it will actually get. It's also, I mean, it's a technicality, but technically the pipeline hasn't been scrapped. It's just halted. I think it's now very unlikely that it will still go into into operation. But um, uh, I guess people are still kind of being uh, kept on standby and it's not quite clear what will happen. Well, thank you, Julia, and our time is up for this week. I am Evi Chiori, and this was your Active Spion the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youreactive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening. Listener.